open. Oh, crap! What? I am your host, Adam Schneider. I'm there, sure. I watch way too much Oregon Ducks athletics. And I watched one flipping game, but I tried to watch three. There you go. You tried to watch three. Uh, and actually, there's a fourth game going on as we speak, even. Uh, I guess I should pull up the score because I'm talking about Oregon BYU uh, men's basketball. Uh, that hopefully. I don't know. Hopefully it's another blowout for the Ducks. Oh, no, 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 no. Actually, uh, breaking news here, even though this is going to be, uh, you know, days old here. Um, BYU is up 33 to 15. against. Oh, whenever I looked, it was 30 to 13. Well, now it's even worse. So I don't know. That's we'll terrible. Just keep looking into it as the episode goes by. And by the end of it, people will get information they learned two days ago. It'll be. Great. Yeah, that's that's what this podcast is all about. Well, all yeah, I got to say, this is, uh, as we said, uh, the Quack Tool podcast, the most official, unofficial Oregon Ducks podcast on the web footosphere. Now, um, we just had a huge football game and you know the rules here the rules here is until football is over until the football season is over at least the regular season right but at, at least the regular season we don't fully put our attention towards duck basketball we no. keep one eye kind of on it, but mainly we are a football forward podcast and then basketball. Adam, we can only handle one thing at a time. <laughs> That's right. We can only handle one bit at a time. The people watching this on YouTube are seeing uh, Aaron and I's Oregon uh, foam finger collection, and it's uh, pretty it's cool. It's our own version of foam corner. That's, yeah. <laughs> Shout out, County Bang Bang. Paris Whittles. Um, so... My friend, I, I will bring up basketball a little bit here because there is obviously some interesting shit that's happened uh, with the women's team. For me, the biggest news was Tahina Pow Pow did come back and played for about mm, three minutes, like not long at all. But she came back and played. That means yeah, totally. That's there. wild. Yeah, that is a that is a giant thing to happen that we you desperately have, needed she was going to be gone for like weeks. Yeah, I may have oversold that because, you know, I was freaking out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, I'm sure everybody was. Yeah, India Rogers, she it does appear like there's a broken bone somewhere in her, I think, arm. Ooh, and they're gross. saying that's that's going to take a while to heal. But um at least Pow Pow is healthy enough to that they'll consider putting her in this game for any amount of time, and that's huge. Now, the results, they don't really matter. It was against Dixie State. I mean, I've, you know, never had I heard of a Dixie State before this game. We won 84 to 35. Sure. Uh, it was just just an awesome blowout like they all are. Uh, six Duck players scored in double digits. And uh, the most exciting stuff is that a lot of these are new Fresh faces, you know. Um, yeah. Obviously, we had like the old reliables like Sedona Prince, Sydney Parrish, Kylie Watson. These are going to be very important players for the future. But I'm talking about Shania Pinto, who's got like is just she's that energy where it's just like nonstop, like gas all the time running Great. down that court. She's got Great. good size. She got good strength. It looks like she's going to really like cause some havoc. And that's what I, I love players like that, especially when they like got the speed and the size. It's really nice. At least hers looks like she could really handle the ball. Uh, and, you know, as many of those we can get, especially with any Rogers injured, uh, Filipina Kai 
or I, I think it's Filipina Kai. Uh, damn, I I gotta tell you, man, we got a lot of players who are huge on this squad. A lot of players who are huge on both squads, actually. Like yeah. both of the, both of our teams are tall as hell. Because uh, I mean, sitting right now, the men's team, some of our best players, like Nafali Dante, like he's not playing right now. One of our best tall men, and then like we got a couple freshman tall men, and they look promising, but they haven't played all that much, you know. Sure. Um, but they still got the height. Uh. So the men's team, they just beat SMU, South, Southern Methodist University, I believe, South Methodist. I have no idea. Whatever. Yeah, I think you that's them, also right? in Dallas. Yeah, I'm sure you know him. You probably like. I think a friend of mine went to SMU, actually. Is that so? I think so. I think it's in Fort Worth, maybe. I don't know. That sounds, I don't know. That sounds right. Yeah. Um. Well, this game, they also kicked ass as if it was a Dixie state because they made seven straight shots to open up the game. So they Dang. were just on fire right away. Um, they took a 23 to six lead. They finished the game shooting 56.1% and they held the Mustangs to 37.7% shooting. Adam, I have to ask you one question. What's that? I know you told me never to ask you questions this early in basketball, mm-hmm. but I'm doing it. Okay. Did anyone average one point per minute? Did anyone average one point per minute is the question you, my friend, We need me. You know how I am. I want to see one point for every minute of the game. From um, every player. That's right. From, from every player. Shooting like, at that intensity. I can tell you that didn't happen. It's probably not going to happen <laughs> ever. But uh, let, let's see if, if anyone did that. Let's see. 35 minutes. So, no. A lot of the players who played the most, like Eric Williams, Jacob Young, um, they got, you know, 19 points, 18 points, respectively. Will Richardson got 18 points. But they played a lot. Will Richardson played 20 minutes and got 18 points. Pretty damn close. So what 18, how many minutes are in a total game? 40, my man. 40, not 45? No, no, no. Okay, so 18. Okay. Um, I'll like uh, no, no, no one got your insane benchmark. They got a quarter of a point per minute. Maybe next time. Maybe maybe got against BYU. Maybe when in our uh comeback victory against BYU, which I'm recording this game, y'all, so I can give you a little bit more in depth, but not really that much. Because again, football season. It's so um, fast. Yeah. There's so much basketball so quickly. It's too BYU, I hope we beat BYU because I don't yeah. want to lose them. Ever. I hate BYU. Okay. Now Ever. um that's enough basketball notes. That's the basketball beat. Let's get into the the stuff that Duck fans are really t- passionate about right now. Oh, baby. Because right, we love women's basketball. We love men's basketball. We love Dane Altman. We love Kelly Graves. We love the tall furs. You know, those tall ducky furs. Well, uh, but right now, we're in, in week whatever. We're in the, the 10th game. We just yep. got done playing the 10th game of the regular season. And the Ducks are 9-1. and one. We're that much. I mean, 12-0, and 0, that's off the table. Oh, unfortunately, but we're that much closer to the end of the regular season, my friend. Yeah. Amen. And if I can say this, mm-hmm. am I correct to think that the score at the end of this game was relatively the same as it was against the Huskies? Um, I mean, we scored more points against the Cougs and the Cougs scored more points against us. So in that actually the, yardage. the same distance, right? No, the yardage was way we allowed oh. way more yardage from the Cougs. That was Husky, Husky offense is terrible though. It was a different beast. It was a different beast we were taming here. Yeah. Uh, and and we took a different strategy. Deal. Well, you know what? Maybe we didn't take the same different strategy because really we just ran like we the damn ball. 
We just ran the damn ball. Did and we? I thought we... Well, I guess Anthony ran his ass off in the game. <laughs> yeah, he did. They were saying after the game that it was all like, well, uh, you know, we adjusted because, like, they couldn't stop Anthony. And um, so we told him not stop. You know, <laughs> he reminds me of those early football players where he's like, give me the ball and I run or... I hand off and I block. Well, you get it, man. Well, it's, like it's he's option doing football, baby. Everything out yeah, there. he's great. He went 17 to 22, 135 yards through the air. So that's obviously saying, you know, he's not taking a lot of deep shots. They're also not asking him to take many deep shots because we don't he have need to. Because because this was 38 to 24. You know, you could argue should have been 45 points scored by the Ducks. We'll get but into that. Then you could also argue that they should have had an extra touchdown as well. So then it, well, okay. It the, negatives let's, out. This, let's, let's get into these because these were interesting. And this we got is some deeds. Yeah. I mean, is- opening, <laughs> opening up of the game is like, boing, 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 boing. It was like okay. So this ain't bad. Uh, I mean, this is, this is really good. I mean, this is really bad. I don't know what the hell I'm saying. This is looking really terrible is what I was trying to say. Because we got the opening drive here. Washington State starts at their own 20-yard line. Okay? Three-yard run for Max Borhe. Not bad. Borhe's a good runner, you know. Uh, right. Only a three-yard run from him. Then next play, a 70-yard pass to Calvin Jackson Jr. 70 yards. Just like, boom. Okay, that's terrible. And I was like, ugh. Then they're at the first and goal at Oregon seven. Jaden Delora getting gets pretty damn close. Gets to like the one yard line. Jamal Hill, my man, downhill. Jamal downhill comes, whacks the hell out of him, makes him fumble the ball. The ball then, thank God it does this. It fumbles out of the end zone. We all know what that means after that terrible Stanford game, you know, a year or two ago. It means funny watching it too is like L. (laughs) Oh, L. Oh, perfect, yeah. Perfect timing. All the cameras make it. It's just so beautiful. Watch. It was <laughs> it was funny as hell. Um, yeah. I mean, the cameras that we did get, you know, because, well, again, we'll get into this in Conspiracy Corner, but they're giving us the freaking, not the B crew, not the C crew, not the D crew, like the E crew, as they said. Like, this is terrible. Looks terrible. Rod Gilmore's there. It's all garbage. But okay, let's get into this though. So that was that first fumble you're talking about. And then yep. it was kind of it, this game was sandwiched by bullshit fumbles because, of course, not quite sandwiched, but later in the game. Are you talking uh, about the fumble whenever he tried to run it in for a TV? Yeah. Which, which I would say, I mean, we're already here. This is Conspiracy Corner. Let's freaking get into it. I'm going to get well, a graphic for Conspiracy Corner. Adam, what's that? You did notice the fog tried to come in That's during true. the game. And, and it, it is your theory that when fog comes into play, much like when you see uh, like deja vu in the Matrix, that that is space time continuum. Is it's some a, it parallels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Merging for moments. But this the one was d- interesting because now and this is maybe where the parallels divert, because some people may say that he did not get a touchdown, but. I clearly remember the ball crossing the line and they said and they said in the, my reality yeah. it was a touchdown. Well, they did say it and then they kind of I mean it was such bullshit because it was then they were kind of like um no, hold on, we got to look at before the review because the review is to be like, you know, like first they have to have what was called on the right. field. And they call it oh wait, no, uh, it was a fumble. 
And they just changed that shit. Because, uh, again, everyone is against the Ducks. Everyone who isn't a Duck is against us. And you shouldn't trust them. You should cut them out of your life. Do not give them any information. Don't talk about the Ducks to people yeah. who aren't Duck fans. Because you're giving them information that they're clearly using against us. Like in this fog of war that came and turned uh, what should have been an, an Anthony Brown touchdown, a damn fine Anthony Brown rushing touchdown. Uh, it turned it in instead to a fumble. The Ducks were like shocked by that so much that they just allowed Washington State to just fly down the field, right? I believe get a field goal, right? Uh, yeah. Which at least we stopped him, you know, held him to a field goal. But uh, yeah, absolutely. So, what's your ruling on this as far as a conspiracy? I blame the fog. For sure, the fog had something going on there because mm. I'm telling you, I remember mm. the touchdown happening. The points went on the board, but mm -hmm. then the fog rolls in and then all of a sudden they're talking about it like it never happened. Mm. So I'm saying, I don't know if it's a Mandela effect. I don't know where to go with this, but parallel universes cross in fog. That's mm. all I know. Well, um, you know, that was yeah, probably the strangest thing about this game. Otherwise, this game actually did feel pretty kind of what a lot of us were expecting in my opinion you know like washington got some big plays out there but yep. overall ducks up defense did what they did you know pulled up enough uh big stops uh turnovers overall just like really got it Jaden delora to the really exciting game that yeah. we totally dominated the whole time it was 14-14 at the half, but it, I kind of get what you mean at the same time. It didn't feel like it should have been. I mean, it didn't feel like it was 14-14 to me. It felt fine. Well, let's talk about this, too. And it was such a, that first fumble from Travis Dye. Uh, and, you know, people are always going to bring up his gloves and such like that. Glo his lack of gloves. Right. Uh, that for, that really was, did, you know, change the mood a bit, change the momentum. And then uh, hmm. same with the second one, you know? Yeah, I, I guess I, yeah. I don't know what it is, but honestly, here's the thing. Mm -hmm. I have some kind of calm knowing that Anthony Brown Jr. is in charge of the ball. Mm. Like this could be the exact same season two years ago. And I would be a nervous wreck because you know who would have control of the ball. Just and I'd never. never know what to expect. So you like, point, you know, like yeah. these fumbles and stuff don't really bug me, I don't think. Yeah. And I, I don't think, you know, fumble one that was a very questionable fumble. And then another one where it's like Travis Dye has had some trouble with fumble in his past. But I believe this is his first one of the season. Yeah, uh, I believe I'm not bugged by it at all. I'm not He's running I mean, like a monster. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, everybody's only 99%. Um, now let, let's get into, so you and I, you know, this is just a few of our quick thoughts on this game, but to really break this down, we should bring on, uh, um, let's call him resident, resident film evil. Review. Well, he's already resident, resident evil film reviewer. Is that his yeah. title? Quack 12, uh, crony resident comma evil film reviewer. <laughs> So he's evil he's or he, he he's a resident and an evil. Film he's reviewer. reviewed some truly evil film at times. Yeah. Like everybody's pissed when he's right. And he's like, always right. That when Arizona, we've got him, baby, when Arizona kicked Oregon's ass. And I want to say 2018, he reviewed that. And in that case, I would absolutely call him a resident evil film reviewer because that <laughs> film is straight up evil. Um, anyways, what we're talking about is we're talking about our dear friend Hithliday, who writes for the website Addicted to Quack. Uh, check out his articles 
duct tape in which he breaks down either last week's big game, big duck game, or next week's duck opponent. Uh, they're really fantastic, include a bunch of clips and just really well-written breakdowns. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, our dear friend, Hithliday, on the show. How's it going, buddy? Uh, I'm well. How are you? Hey, I'm doing all right. You know, uh, I did have. Uh, hey. I'll, I'll bring this. I'll be a little real on it. Uh, I had. Uh, we were going to record yesterday, but we had to postpone it because uh, my girlfriend had uh, some emergency surgery she had to do. Luckily, it was minor surgery, but uh, I thought it was kind of interesting that it was. It was actually exactly what Joe Moorhead had. She had to get an appendectomy, and I only really had just researched it. Because of this podcast, so it, it helped me out. Not really, but uh, I thought that was interesting. How interesting! You know, I knew it was like okay. So the wait, you know, the healing time is this, and like the general what it is and stuff. She should be I back to coaching gonna... in like two weeks. <laughs> yeah, she should. Honestly, <laughs> she should be able to help out on the field already. Like you yeah. know, like uh, at least call in and and check out. So, but um, Hithliday, we're here to talk about. A game that was fun to watch. I'm talking about a victory over the Washington State Cougars. Um, a lot of us, you know, a lot of us, uh, those past beatdowns or those those past upsets from the Cougs, uh, when they beat us, uh, they they kind of get in your head and they make you afraid of an opponent, sometimes unreasonably. I don't think we were too afraid of a, of a loss on this podcast. Um, nah. What, what did you think uh, you kind of called out in last week's article? And how did it line up to last week's duct tape? I guess I'm asking. Uh pretty well i mean <laughs> you're asking me to assess my own work and yeah grade uh, yourself <laughs> what are your this is yeah i mean i i do that at the end of it you know all my exactly no, i mean i put accountability in accountability section yeah. and uh no i mean this game proceeded pretty much exactly as i expected it, you know uh wazoo's two strengths are that they could hit some explosive passes uh and they tended to force a lot of fumbles um and we saw both of the, these in the, this game and, and, you know, they were the reason why Wazoo was in it. Otherwise they wouldn't have been in it. That, that is, I, that is another moment. Uh, I have this pretty regularly. I would say every week is a testament to your work where I just get a point at the screen and be like, Oh, Hitler, they called that. I know that. Cause <laughs> uh, I mean, and, and, you know, even Rod Gilmore and everyone was talking about it, that it was like Washington state, like the anomaly of how damn good they are at collecting, forcing and collecting fumbles. And they got two fumbles here. And yeah. one was, I mean, and, and I mean, they got 10 points off of those fumbles. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, like it, it would have been such a blow. Not just 10 points, but you know, the, you know, the, the, the the touchdown that Anthony Brown um, may or may not have scored, you know, that, that means that that, you know, Fog. that was a 10 point swing plus, you know, Oregon was in Wazoo territory when they, when, when die travel fumbled the ball, uh, you know, who knows how that would have gone if you assigned that as, you know, three points, uh, you know, let, let's say that that drive stalled out and they were going to kick a field goal. That's three points that then come off the board and instead Wazoo gets seven. So that's, you know, combine those two, you got a 20 point swing in Wazoo's mm -hmm. direction. Right. Um, uh, you know, and then on top of that, you know, Wazoo, you know, they tack on a garbage time touchdown. 
um, you know, this, this score definitely could have been, you know, real out of hand, right. You know, like this could have been something like a, you know, 45, 17, you know, or, or more, you know, kind of deal, but like, yeah, look, that's what Wazoo does. They forces, they, they, for, they have a very, you know, aggressive defense. Um, that's, you know, the, their defensive front is full of light, fast bodies. In fact, that mm-hmm. was actually the most interesting part of doing the film study was picking out, uh, Oregon had a dominant rushing performance. They almost always do. Um, it's, you know, as I think I said, you know, weeks and weeks ago on this podcast, like if you can run the ball, that's it. The game's over. Like if you can consistently, you know, both efficiently and explosively run the ball, then the game is 75% over. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause there's n- n- why do anything else? You can control the clock. You can keep the ball away from your opponent. You can, you know, start them of oxygen so that they have to hit explosive passes, you know, take high risk ventures, you know, et cetera. Um, the interesting thing doing film study, the, the only thing that really kind of surprised me, um, you know, given my expectations of Wazoo, which were largely confirmed, you know, in the game, uh, and given my expectations of Oregon, which again, largely confirmed in the game, is that there's there are there are several plays where Oregon runs the ball successfully in the sense of like gaining enough yards, you know, to keep keep ahead of the sticks. Um, but they could have broken way more. You know, they were like a five to eight yard gain that could have been a 20 to touchdown, you know, hmm. run. And the reason why they weren't is because of a backside block, right? That the let's say the play mm-hmm. is going to the left. Um, obviously the most important guys to block are on the left left side right because those are the guys who can stop you you know immediately from getting a successful play the second most important guys to stop are the guys on the back side because those are the guys who are going to chase you down from behind you know and 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 prevent the play from going explosive and Oregon was not consistently anyway getting their backside blocks you know accomplished so that would be like the right tackle you know mm-hmm. sealing off the defensive end on the right side to keep him from getting over to the left side of the you know from the offensive perspective you know to catch the back and you know and actually wazoo more than any other team that oregon has played uh was 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 successful at getting off those backside blocks or just outrunning them and capturing the play and so oregon's you know oregon's explosive rushing rate was pretty good in this game um but they didn't break any like 70 yard runs right you didn't see any like you know totally massive runs and that was the reason why and in in sort of like you know maybe paradoxically uh only wazoo can do that because only wazoo have players of that type you know only wazoo constructs their defense with those super light players because like they can't get big guys you know that's big guys are in such a premium that you know you're not going to attract those guys to the palouse and get them to eat lentils uh and and (laughs) cougar gold and bush light all day um you know you're gonna get a light baby you're gonna get a certain type of very light athlete who yeah they can't maintain those front side you know they can't get off those front side blocks and so they're going to give up those five to eight yard runs but they Mm. can catch you from the backside and they were actually doing a pretty good job of that you know that that was sort of the biggest surprise the rest of the game proceeded exactly as i expected you know um oregon was hitting basically efficiency passes a couple of explosive ones um about a quarter of their passing game was uh, you know an adjunct to the run game because there were screens and rpos but they were hitting some downfield balls um 
you know, Anthony Brown, as usual, has a couple of accuracy issues, but, you know, mostly he was fine. Um, The, you know, on the defensive side, you know, Wazoo's offensive line simply could not withstand the pressure of Oregon's, you know, pass rush. Oregon was actually doing a couple of interesting things on the defense where they were moving dudes around like Kayvon Thibodeau and Braden Swinson, a couple other dudes who are normally outside linebackers. Like they'd move them around to the inside of the line, just sort of like mess with Wazoo, which I always enjoy, (laughs) you know, sort of like, you know, watching that that sort of like you know there's the subtle stuff where they're like you know this is just a screw with you like i'm messing with your mind now you know i enjoy <laughs> i enjoy those sorts of things you know wazoo doesn't have the ability because they don't feel the tight end um they're always in four wide every single snap they're in four wide um meaning you know four wide receivers um they're like they they have no real ability to like do what other teams have done which is to double up on cave on thibodeau right so like the best they can do is is keep a back in, you know, to help block him. But then they were moving Kayvon Thibodeau around, so that wasn't always an option. And, and frankly, the, you know, Oregon's other pass rushers were all still better than Wazoo's line. Brandon yeah. Dorless had, you know, had a great game. Swinson had a great game. Um, yeah, Adrian Jackson, I don't think it had any numbers, but you could tell from the film that he was, you know, essential in a couple of, um, you know, so, you know, Oregon shut down their run game because they couldn't open any holes. Like, all of that, you know, sort of proceeded as expected. And, and, and so, you know, mostly this game was fairly comfortable and then Oregon would fumble the ball and I'd be pulling my hair out. You know, <laughs> exactly. Because God hates the Ducks, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And, and it is funny how how regular um, the random irregular irregularities yeah. strike, you know, like how, how it's just like, it seems like every game it's like, okay, Oregon's, Oregon's finally looking like they're pulling ahead, even if they were down in the beginning. And then it'll be like a, a fumble from someone who hasn't fumbled this season yeah, right. or, or the refs coming in. And yeah, just, right. I mean, I, I don't, yeah. again, I don't love discussing officiating, you know, it's usually sort of an overblown aspect and it's way, it's, it's very easy for people to get into high dudgeon about it. And just like, this is unjust. I am being persecuted by cosmic forces who are aligned against me, but that's literally wrong. what we were talking about for five minutes before you hopped on this is if, that if, there are cosmic forces coming against us and that the refs are cheaters. And I mean, people. I don't really think that's true. I, I just think that like, well, look, I mean, I do track this stuff. I, I don't like to publicize it, but, you know, I, I keep track of it because I'm charting the game. I'm charting outcomes and I have to figure out, you know, why did a play that otherwise would have succeeded fail or vice mm-hmm. versa? Um, and, and like, look, man, you know, I track questionable calls and and the balance of questionable calls when in Wazoo's favor and not Oregon's favor. And this is, you know, and and that's been the case in many games that Oregon has played this year. You know, uh, there's just it, it doesn't bear getting any deeper than that. I don't think it's profitable it's just, for us uh, to explore it. But if anybody is out there thinking that, like, boy, it sure seemed like a lot of calls went against Oregon that could have gone the other way and, and would have sustained drives or whatever, like, you're not wrong. I just it's just <laughs> like, aren't we supposed to be the evil, like, yeah, off everybody like isn't it supposed to be all following for yeah. uh, like we're the playoff contenders well, right aren't the calls supposed to i be mean look if favor? oregon played in the sec and oregon enjoyed the position in the sec that it does in the in the pac 12 then i have a feeling that a lot of those um wouldn't have we're in eugene and we can't even get the calls to fall in our favor i'm saying pay <laughs> off these refs more i, I, I think guess. there are other conferences who um who put their thumb on the scale a little more than the pac 12 mm-hmm. does absolutely um so like you said uh i mean when when the run game is doing what it's doing when uh byron uh, cardwell gets nine carries for 98 yards two touchdowns he 
had a Travis... couple that were like really impressive runs, like yeah. sort of like patience and vision. That Do you we? Expect... I mean, there's one in particular that I believe they showed the replay of too. That was I forget if it was touchdown run or not, where he's waiting yeah. so damn patiently to set the, for those blocks to set up. Yeah, it it's was... impressive. It's not what you expect to see out of a freshman. It's stuff that Diane Burdell, you know, took years in order hmm. to do, and he's doing it, you know, first time out. And it's uh, yeah, no, it's very encouraging. For Are you people. getting enough tape on him where you're being like, like I'm excited for this dude to be RB one, maybe not one yeah. A even, just RB. It's, I mean, like you know, we saw it a little bit um, in the game prior, and and then yeah. we saw it. You know, usually, yeah. you know, I think I've said this in the past. You know, I I I, I try not to get excited about a single game performance because anybody could just uh, anybody on any given day can just wake up and eat their Wheaties and just have a great game, right. out, you know, out of nowhere. And you try not to get too excited about it. Um, it's just not. It doesn't work out that way. But you see it twice. You see it a third time. You're sort of like, okay, yeah. Speaking yeah. of which, uh, speaking of regularly seeing uh, of dominance, uh, duck dominance, Travis Die just being a man. I mean, it, he's like it's like uh, when we get into your roster reviews, Hitler Day. Uh, when we get to the players, where okay, everyone knows this guy. Everybody loves this guy. Even if you're not part of this fan base, you this is the one guy you know from this team. There's a lot of times there's not much to be said because you're like, yeah, that guy can catch the ball well. That guy can run very fast. He's good scoring touchdowns. Uh, it's kind of getting to that way with Travis Dye, where he's just been regular, consistent. 18 carries, 88 yards, one rushing touchdown, six receptions for 25 yards, one... Oh, I wrote rushing touchdown again, but really it was uh, reception. And then uh, he actually led the team in receptions. And, uh, you know, uh, I guess we, we are... Uh, I don't know. We are a podcast that loves our drama, so I guess I should bring up that. There's, there's also like a tweet from Micah Pittman. I forget what he even said. Something about uh, disrespected or something. Uh, some people have uh, extrapolated that that's because of, you know, maybe the fact that he had, you know, zero targets in this and that, uh, you know, the offense, like you said, is more focused on a, a why stop a running game that's working this well uh, to, to take a chance throwing the ball. Um, I, there's nothing really I want you to, to say about the drama. I guess I just had to bring it up. Pittman's well, got drama? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll who cares? Who cares? I mean, is the right answer. Yeah, I, 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 I guess. I mean, if somebody's not happy, then they're not happy. That it's not like, um, you know, Oregon doesn't have a pretty full wide receiver room. I, you know, I, I just can't comment on his mindset or what he meant by that. Um, you know, all I do is watch film. I guess what I can say is this: that like, I well, two things. You know, the run game doesn't happen in a vacuum. You know, it happens. You know, because you know. You can't go 100% run. You know the, the the defense will adjust to that in a way. You know they'll take it away. You have to at least present a credible threat of the passing offense, which you know Oregon did in this game. And credit to the wide receivers, they were catching the balls. Um, you know credit to 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 everybody who you know caught a ball. You know there were several you know long pass. Chris Hudson caught a long pass. You know uh, Johnny Johnson and uh, uh, John Johnson Jim led uh, with the yards, uh, three receptions for 43 yards, and actually is it's it's. Seemingly out for the season is right. kind of. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure we've gotten confirmation on that. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I I'm not sure whether we're in sure. just rumor territory, but there may. It seems like uh, he may be missing some time just from. Uh, uh, 
no. I mean, that'd be unfortunate. This is, I think he's out of eligibility. Um, you know, yeah. if he's if he's done for the rest of the year, that'd be a hard way. Uh, you know, a hard way to find that out. Um, yeah. But like I, you know, just to be you know totally mercenary about it. Oregon's got mm-hmm. a very full wide receiver room. You know, they this isn't you know 2019 or 2018 where like one dude getting injured and you know significant hit to the production. It's all on Brendan Schooler's shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. Um. You know, Devin Devin Williams had a great game. You know, and, and yeah, and here's the other thing I can tell you from watching film. You know, the other thing the wide receivers do for a dominant run game is they block downfield. You know, yes. they, they block and and on screen passes. You know, and RPOs, which are you know part of the you know you know part of that entire offensive approach. Like those guys are blocking, and I can tell you, you know, which guys are blocking well and which guys aren't. Um, and, and the sure. you know, here's <laughs> the really it. crazy thing about Micah Pittman is that you know the first half of the season that he was just terrible. You know, yeah. in, in perimeter blocks. You know, oh, okay, it, it's yeah. usually the case of the older receivers are better at, at blocking and the younger receivers, you know, take some time, you know? And so like he was, you know, he, he was the only anomaly is like a guy who'd been around for a couple of years was, was blocking like, mm. uh, you know, a guy who'd been around for a couple of years. And then in the UCLA game, he totally turned around and he was, you know, and literally, I'm not kidding about this. Every block that I've recorded for Micah Pittman since the UCLA game has been a, a high quality block. And so, you know, nice. if, if, if I, if I, you know, social media aside, if you asked me, uh, and I, you know, I didn't know anything about social media. I didn't know anything about any comments or his dad or whatever. Like, if all you did was ask me based on the film, do you think that Mike Pittman is like a dude who's totally bought into this program and does whatever it takes, even though he's not catching balls? I would have said, hell yeah, this dude totally turned it around. You know, so that's you know, and probably would be my number one case for a dude who for whom you know the light went on. Uh, uh, um, but you know, so so beats the hell out of me. Is, is, yeah, it's is complete I speculation. I, I think the tweet's down even. So Chris Ball is probably. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah, uh, keep in mind, we're also yeah. talking about like 19 year old kids. You know, oh, yeah. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I would be, uh, I would, Micah Pippen, I hope you're doing fine. I hope you're doing all right out there. We know you're a longtime watcher here. Um, He's just frustrated. He'll get over it and figure it out. I think so. I mean, He's hey, in. a natty. A natty would help a lot of things, you know? Um, Anthony Brown colon Jr. Why I did that? I don't know, but there you go. Uh, 17 of 22 for 135 yards, one touchdown, 17 carries for 123 yards and a rushing Dude. touchdown. Probably should have been two rushing touchdowns. Um, I get what you mean, what you mean, Aaron, uh, that Anthony Brown is, it is kind of nice to have a dude that's very reliable. You know what I mean? Like he, he like, and we've been saying this too, that part of that reliability is that he's going to have some ugly throws in every single game. But I mean, this time he was 17 to 22. Hey, I I mean, I love that when it's always when something real bad happens, like, 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 you know, like I think it was Travis dice fumble or something like they usually get, or sometimes it'll be something he did. Like he really messed up. They show him and he looks like, like his expression looks like I've hung out with friends. Like I've watched, duck games say the alamo bowl where we you know this embarrassing loss and it was really hard to watch i've had friends who don't care about sports i had one in particular watch that game with me and he was just watching it because he thought it was so funny how like crushed i was (laughs) watching this thing and he was just kind of like smiling and just like like oh wow this is crazy like anthony brown kind of has that energy when something terrible goes on with the ducks and i kind of really like it like he's just kind 
kind of like chilling on the sideline as if he's just watching the game as if he wasn't part of like what just went wrong. Yeah, you just uh, got to get you just got to move past it. Keep going. He's forward. calm as hell. Next he's just play. like, oh, oh, well, well, I'll just I'll score next drive. Like, yeah, I, I really like his calm energy. It, it really does. Uh, compared to like last season, uh, I don't want to, you know, shit on Shuck, but Shuck looked horrified even with the lead like that dude looked scared back there quite a bit i don't blame him i'd be horrified too but uh chuck Chuck, you already forgot about him tyler shuck or last yeah i guess i did wow man is hey here's a question actually for aaron aaron is anthony brown your favorite oregon duck quarterback of all time so far (laughs) okay well it's not a good answer but uh look at look at our track record so far with him I I guess you could look be at like where our rankings are with him. Let, let's take a Hithla Day uh, example. If you had two baskets, one basket was Oregon quarterbacks who have beaten um, Ohio State, and one was Oregon quarterbacks who haven't. There'd only be one quarterback in that good one, and that'd be Anthony Brown. So there you go. Really set up Hithliday to only have one opinion. I feel like <laughs> I don't know. I don't think Hithliday thinks Anthony Brown Jr. is Oregon's greatest. No, quarterback. I don't. I don't think he probably is because I obviously his skill sets could get us to the playoffs, but I don't see us going to the championship. No, I, I do because of that percentage he lacks on deep balls and blah blah yeah. blah. I, I there's I a ceiling for sure, I but think you put it I do well. feel like he could go play for the NFL for some team, maybe like uh, the Raiders or something. Yeah, well, or the Seahawks. I'll take him up here, man. I mean, he's maybe Russell's done. Gino, I don't know, <laughs> Gino Smith and Anthony Brown. I don't know. They're they're looking pretty similar, kind of. I guess. I mean, Gino Smith's been late, but we're not talking about the Seahawks. We're not talking about Gino Smith. Back to what we're talking about. We beat the freaking Cougs. It feels great. Oh, um, what's that, Aaron? One other thing that we should celebrate while we're all together. Huskies coach. <laughs> oh, yeah. We didn't bring the Jimmy Lake is gone. Jimmy Lake is fired. <laughs> I love it. We did it. We did it. We beat another Washington coach. We made them <laughs> quit or get fired. And I, I hope Cristobal keeps doing that. Yeah, uh, that's nuts. I'm sure Gabby's happy. How could you not be right if you're a Washington yeah. fan? Uh, I, I don't know. What, what What's there to say about this game? Does anyone have any more notes about this game? I was kind of just relieved as hell that it was over, honestly, by the time it ended. <laughs> That's how I felt. Uh, I one more comment, which is, you know, we we've talked uh, a bit about how the you know injury situation at inside linebacker and safety, yes. ha, you know, had been affecting Oregon. I, I think a couple of guys re- have really stepped up. Um, Jeff Bassa, the the safety converted to linebacker, I think has been getting better every week um, and played a pretty good game uh, this time out. Uh, you know, I'm still noting a couple of problems, but like you know, played pr- played pretty well. You know, I frankly I take Jeff Bassa over. Um, many of the starting inside linebackers at the other Pac-12 schools, frankly. Yeah, well, it's, um, it's impressive, yeah. And uh, and Steve Stevens appears to still be injured at the safety spot, and, and his job's been filled by uh, Jordan Happel, um, who, mm-hmm. you know, not not like I was ever in love with Jordan Happel's athleticism. Um, you know, in 2020, I, I, I did not have a whole lot of positive things to say about the guy. Um, and, and on top of that, he's, you know, he's been playing the last couple of games with the club on his hand, and somehow it's turned him into the, you know, the 
greatest safety that Oregon's ever had. I I don't understand, he's, man. He's, he like, gets the Brady Breeze Award if he ends strong against Utah. He is absolutely the Brady Breeze of this season. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's pretty remarkable. Um, yeah. you know, I I I, uh, I take a lot of pride, uh, and I set as the goal for myself to you know accurately predict everybody's contributions to the team. Um, you, you know, and, and and where the vulnerabilities and strengths are in opponents, but like you know, I, I'm I'm inevitably going to miss on a couple. I would not have predicted this of Jordan Happel. Uh, not in a million years would I have predicted this of Jordan Happel. He played a great game and he played a great game last week uh, and many happy returns in the future. I, I wish him. Yeah. And um, uh, so while we're on the topic, uh, I believe I've heard rumor that Jackson LaDuke may be back for next week. Um, do you think that's something that like, fans will immediately kind of notice seeing him on the field or, or it's hard he, to say because you know, know i i've I, i've i've seen those rumors too but what we don't yeah. know is like okay does that mean he is finally healthy enough to be cleared to to practice but he hasn't practiced yet because if that's the case like if he's missed you know what are you know 10 weeks worth of practice right um you know like i would no don't plug him in you know like he, he's just not going to be as sharp as as you know yes there are backups but they're backups who've been playing for 10 weeks you know like yeah. if on the other hand he has been cleared um for a couple of weeks now and has been practicing and what they're saying is or what this rumor means is that oh no now he's actually ready to play and because he's actually a linebacker um you know he you know a ready to play jackson leduc is going to be better than a you know has been practicing but is still a converted safety and a true freshman mm -hmm. uh you know jeffrey bassa like yeah, then you would notice that. Like, it's still the case that it's still the case that those backups are the weak link, you know, in Oregon's defense, you Makes know, sense. like as, as, as many positive things as I have to say about them, because it's remarkable to be able to say positive things about them. It is still the case that they're the weak link. And if you can shore that up, so much the better. Uh, let me ask if, uh, sorry, Aaron, really quickly uh, with Basa. Um, let's say, you know, everyone gets healed up, everyone's back next season, uh, suddenly, you know, both of those spots are less dire, uh, which position do you think actually fits in better? safety or linebacker, I suppose. If you're waving a magic wand to heal every injury that Oregon has, that means that Justin Flo is back in action, in which exactly. case you play Justin Flo at inside linebacker. Um, and and if, if that means there's no more room at inside linebacker and Jeff Bossa has to go back to being a safety, then great, Oregon needs more safeties. Um, unfortunately, you know, uh, saying that you've got a magic wand and everybody's going to be fixed is uh, probably fantasy. Um, you know, we just kind of have to play that one, you know, as it comes. Aaron, I believe you uh, had a question. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we play the Utes next week, right? Indeed. That's right. What from this game, Washington State, are things that concerned you going? What things could make us not do great against the Utes that you saw in this past week? Um, well, the best part of what Utah does is similar to the best part of what Wazoo does, which is hit explosive passes. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the fact that Oregon was giving up some explosive passes makes me think that they'll probably give up some explosive passes against Utah. Um, the rest of it, no, no, no concerns. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I, I, I will, I will publish my Utah article when I publish my Utah article, but Utah has, 
Utah has all the same vulnerabilities that they had in 2019. It, it is structurally a very, very similar team. Um, and even though their quarterback is a different guy, uh, surprisingly, their quarterback plays football in a very similar way to Tyler Huntley. And they are reliant on the same, I mean, literally the same tight ends um, in their passing game. Uh, they're reliant on a different, you know, the, 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 their human beings are different. They have different social security numbers, but their style of running is the same, you know, in terms of their, their running backs, uh, their offensive line has the same, you know, strengths and weaknesses. Their defensive structure is identical. The way that they use their linebackers uh, is identical. Like, you know, uh, you were looking at a very, very similar team, you know, to 2019 and, sure. uh, and, you know, hopefully you know, similar results will probably be a similar outcome as the Washington. No, the game. different team is Oregon. Oregon is much more different. There's, there are more differences between Oregon 2021 and Oregon 2019 than there are differences between Utah 2021 and Utah 2019. Um, and the you know the question is on what stuff is you know Oregon gotten better at what stuff are they not as good you know I think it's probably I think it's probably the case that in terms of downfield passing ability Oregon is not as good in 2021 as they were in 2019 you know Justin Herbert versus uh, Anthony Brown um, I think that um, I think that Oregon's linebacker play uh, is probably worse in 2021 than it was in 2019 because of the injury issues that we have discussed mm -hmm. um and obviously oregon's running a different scheme and how exactly that's going to mesh with utah's defensive scheme um and, and well they're running a different defensive scheme and and how that meshes with utah's offensive scheme is going to be you know different so you know those are difficult things to predict uh, i will do my best um you know on my friday article but like you know what we've utah's not going to for everybody who familiarized themselves with Utah in 2019, you're not going to see any surprises, um, you know, from that team on, on Saturday, you know, the, the question is just going to be how Oregon interfaces with it. Um, yeah. I, I will say this, this is the only thing I'm going to say about Utah. You know, you have to read my article for the rest of it. Um, Aaron, read his uh, article. The defense that Oregon has played this year, that Utah's defense reminds me the most of is Ohio state. Oh, and that was good for us. <laughs> like, I don't know. Well, I mean, Utah I, has excited, rules. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Mm -hmm. Utah, their defensive scheme has rules. And unlike, say, Arizona, a team that gave Oregon some trouble, um, where Don Brown is like, there are no rules, man. Like, I'm going to try to cloud everything. Like, that dude looks like the opposite of a hippie, but is like the most, like, wavy, gravy dude that Oregon has played. Um like he's got a push broom mustache. Like anyway, uh, gravy, gravy. Uh, uh, Utah. They have rules. Utah, like Kerry Coombs at Ohio State, has rules. It's like the it's a computer program, and they publish their code. And Joe Moorhead's a hacker. Yeah, baby, I love it. I'm I'm stoked as hell. Uh, my last little thought on this game before we get into our next segment here is just uh, I just want to say, like Jeffrey Epstein's jail cell. Wow, find it very very convenient. There's no camera right where we need it the most. When Anthony Brown was crossing that line, there's no particular camera there for the exact same reason. So I'm just gonna say that. Um, all right, now let's get into this next <laughs> segment in which we talk to uh, talk about the rest of the Pac-12. Hey, wait, what's that? Let's hear it. I'm so sorry, I derailed the whole thing because <laughs> so ready, this yeah. is what they should do: just put 
friggin' GPS points, GPS trackers oh, on well. each end of the flipping ball. We've and had then put GPS points on the stoop since we, if it crosses the threshold blah, 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 with the white line. You and I have GPS had this discussion so many times. We both agree. We both don't know what, why the actual technological, there must be some kind of hang up. Like maybe the, the ball wouldn't quite be thrown the same you just way. Maybe put a little dot on there. Aerodynamically. I mean, I agree in theory, but for some reason they, they don't. And there must be a reason why. And I think it's because conspiracy personally, because it's because people are getting paid off to make bullshit calls. Because if you put GPS things in the football, Mm-hmm. And you don't need referees anymore. They all the only thing. Then the whole system comes just calling when somebody's down. being an asshole. Exactly. You precise get geospatial tracking wouldn't resolve the fumble question. That because the precise geospatial tracking would not tell you who when possession is gained and lost. Mm, that's true. You, you still have to have a camera to track that. But you could see, you could watch it in real time. Did did this dot ever make match that dot? And then go, did it go like that? That's all we I'm, need. That's all we need was real time tracking, so you can just just like I have on DoorDash, bro. I think we need Mentat technology. Is that available to us yet? That's I, right. I watched Dune in theaters. He's done in virtual. I reality. don't think the problem is the referees are not processing information quickly enough. I think the the issue is that they don't have a full and complete set of information because the game is not photographed from as many angles as it could be due to the way that stadiums are constructed, vagaries of economics, the fact yeah. that ESPN shits all over the Pac-12. <laughs> you, you sound like the CIA right now, man. Okay. All right. Um, we officially burned that subject to the ground well we'll see y'all next week for whatever conspiracy it's just been it's been interesting that every single week suddenly our 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 you know uh segment conspiracy corner has had we've had something to talk about every damn week it's like when you buy a yellow ford focus and then all of a sudden everyone has a yellow ford focus Mm. okay um anyways the juice of sappho The Pac-12, the rest of those motherfuckers, they're called Bottom 11. That's right. It's the Bottom 11 in which we talk about the other Pac-12 schools. Let's start it off with Utah versus Arizona. Now, obviously, Arizona is an underdog against everyone, even when the other team is missing 25 players on their squad. Well, this time they're going against a fully formed and operational Utah Death Star. They were in Tucson, however, and that desert magic still came up. Not enough to to fully um, get rid of uh, the Baron Harkonnen, but enough to really cause some chaos there. Uh, because 38 to 29, the Utes win this. However, it was closer than that, even. This was a competitive game. Uh, partially, yeah, it, was a, it was a two-point game in the fourth quarter. You know? yeah. Arizona oh, went wow. for a two-point conversion. They could have tied the game up, yeah. That's right, and, and partially because of, I believe, a blocked punt for a mm-hmm. score. I watched, I somehow was able, every single time I flipped on this game, it was just like, oh, Utah's looking pretty dominant. I don't want to watch this anymore. Or I had to do something else. I would miss some crazy magic in which Arizona somehow scored points. Like they would just have a slew of points. I would come back and look boring again. I just missed every good thing in this game. Um, how was Arizona? I, I assume you watched this game. Hitler Day. I, I have done film study on this game. Yes. 
Uh, how was Arizona able to, I mean, I know there's, uh, again, we, we said a blocked punt, but like able to keep this competitive offensively. How were they able to score so many points on this? Um, they were hitting passes, uh, which is really stunning. Um, it's stunning for a lot of different reasons. You know, Will Plummer, I thought was yeah. probably the worst quarterback in the Pac-12. He was he was hitting he, some passes, dude. He was one of the worst uh quarterbacks. Some people were saying on Arizona, like um, he wasn't <laughs> fighting for the you know squad. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, sure. Um, uh, Utah, one of their cornerbacks suffered an injury in the first. quarter. A quarter and the mm. uh, the backups a freshman he had played uh, previously during the year he's not totally inexperienced but uh, Arizona was kind of picking on him um, kind of surprisingly uh, you know Arizona was not you know Arizona had a couple of big runs but Utah actually. Utah's pass defense is better than their rush defense. And Arizona has a couple of games like against Washington and against USC, for example, where they ran the ball a million times. And so you might be tempted to think that like, oh, this must have been a game where Arizona ran the ball a million times and didn't pass so much uh, and avoided, you know, their strength the same way they sort of played against Washington, right? Nope, it's actually the reverse. Um, They actually didn't run the ball very effectively, but they hit a bunch of, you know, big passes. Um, Hmm. Uh, part of it is, like I said, their cornerback is injured. Part of it is because Utah, um, they're, they can get home when they blitz. They can't get home when they don't blitz. When they only bring four, they couldn't get through Arizona's offensive line. And Arizona's offensive line is not very good. Um, and, you know, that's sort of a big concern for Utah. Um, the, the, you know, so this is basically it. And then their offense was sort of, you know, Arizona's offense is run by Andy Ludwig. Uh, I'm not wild about it. It is entirely dependent on their quarterback's ability to scramble. And scrambling is mm-hmm. kind of capricious. You know, Cam Rising in a lot of other games, uh, you know, scrambled very effectively. In this game, only moderately so. And so, you know, a couple other drives stalled out because he wasn't able to scramble for a first down. Um you know, I think I've made my thoughts on Andy Ludwig pretty clear. <laughs> You're not a fan. Mm. Uh, I think you hate him, actually. Um, <laughs> the, the things I'd like to circle that you said that make me very happy as a fan of a team that's about to play these Utes is uh, aren't very good at against the run. That, that made me very It's happy. not that they're bad against the run. It's that the worst thing they do is defend the run. Um, mm, okay. Uh, you know, the Oregon's played teams that have worse rush defenses. You know, they played Washington, which has like world historically bad rush yeah. defense. Um, but like, yeah, if you have to find a vulnerability in what Utah does, it's run the ball against them. And then uh, uh, people watching this on YouTube, uh, you're seeing some pretty trippy shit that Aaron's doing right now because apparently he's bored. But um, and then. Uh, the other thing that made me very happy about this is just hearing the idea that they can't get much offensive success without some scrambling. Typically is because I just, any team that needs their quarterback to be upright for a certain amount of time to have success, just that just makes me very happy when we have cave on Thibodeau, you know, and just a solid defensive line. I like, mean, the, yeah. yes, you know, always an advantage, although a guy who's slippery and can, can get out of that is often frustrating to a team that has a good pass rush. I guess I, I'd put it this way that like, I just, you know, not specific to Utah, not specific to this particular team or to cam rising or to anything, just as you know, general philosophy of mine is that like, 
and I think I've made this this metaphor in the past is like if if your favorite restaurant screws up your order once, but it's a happy accident, then that's fun. If they keep screwing up your order, if you keep having to scramble, and in fact, your if your restaurant is dependent on you, you keep screwing up people's orders, but you keep accidentally giving them stuff that they want, like that's a big problem. Like that's <laughs> you know what? There's health code violations in that kitchen, and they're not paying the servers. Like the you know you know like I, I am not a big believer in teams that are heavily dependent on quarterback scrambles like an occasional scramble is good it shows that the quarterback has mobility and get out of danger and sort of create some plays uh, because inevitably some of that's going to get through but if a significant part of your offense is scrambling teams for whom that is true include cal include ucla include arizona state ask those teams how their how their season's going um, you know, successful football teams, the quarterback looks like Tom Brady, or they look like a you know option quarterback where they even with it. They, even they, they with do what the Brown. offense calls, you know, playing outside of the structure of the offense is has diminishing returns. Playing within the structure of the offense, whatever that structure may be, is how you win championships. And that and that is the clear difference when you look at like a, a Dorian Thompson Robinson or Jaden Daniels and like what Anthony Brown's doing. Like when Anthony Brown's running, even if it does look like it's a little bit of a broken play, it does feel so much more like in the structure of something. I mean, tip, you well, know, obviously he had three of them really in this is. game. He had, he, I think he had like 13 designed carries. I could look that number up, but uh, in fact, I will. I'm yammering. Uh, you know, he has, oh, look, I have it right here. The number is, he had 13. Yes, that's why I remember because his, his jersey number is 13. Um, oh, he had 13 designed carries. He had three scrambles. That's a good ratio. Yeah. You know, only having three scrambles on, let's count how many dropbacks he had, uh, non-screen, uh, 26, uh, <laughs> right? Th three scrambles out of 26 is a good scramble number. Mm -hmm. Like 50% scrambles is a bad scramble number. It means that your offensive line is breaking down. It means that you're playing out of the structure. It means you're not getting explosive plays. It means that your quarterback is going to be exhausted. Like, these are not good things and teams that are overly reliant and fans love it. Fans love a scrambling quarterback, right? It's like, Oh my God, I was so excited watching that. Right. It's just like, dude, this is, they, this is heroin. Like they love a scrambling quarterback when it's big play VA beating ASU in or getting overtime or whatever it was. They hate it when you get to the Jameis Winston fumble and anything's on the table. Like uh, you know, there's sort of a history of that, of teams that are sort of like out ahead of their skis because they have a, you know, quarterback who's playing out of the structure and then they play a team that makes them pay for it. Um, yeah. And it's November for, uh, for Utah. <laughs> Ooh, I'm stoked as hell, which means we're going to lose. Um, USC mm. versus Cal did not happen. So forget about it. It's, I think it's pushed back. I think it's like after. Yes. The, It'll be played the, the same week as the Pac 12 championship game because those yeah. teams are mathematically eliminated. Yeah. They're like, neither are you going to be in it. So, so that's, yeah, COVID related. I'm guessing that's Cal's hilarious. Right. They have to play during the Pac 12 championship. <laughs> yeah. That is I'm kind into of it. More punishment. football. Yeah. More football. 
I'm down. Pack twelve. Because otherwise, there's only season. like nine games happening that weekend. But now there'll be more. I just love the idea of all these, you know, big games of people like really caring for it, and then they're like, "And you guys got to finish your season because you didn't finish with the rest of the class. You got to come in lunch and, and yeah, do this. yeah." Um, so that's happening. And then uh, after that, Oregon State played Stanford. Now, oh. this is Stanford that beat one of the best, no, I, nay, the best team in the country. So, mm-hmm. obviously, it's going to be competitive going against lowly Oregon State. Wrong, wrong. Apparently, they can only beat the Ducks. Uh, the Beavers. actually kept it a little more competitive. Like, this, I mean, this was not Stanford versus Utah where it was over after three drives. Like, yeah, that was brutal. Um, uh, yeah, 35 to 14 was the end score, but. Dang did take a while and uh they showed some signs of life but uh beavers win yeah i feel like i, I picked stanford shit i kind of forget we'll we'll see we'll see what we'll you find got out uh i'll tell you this much yeah, so so the yeah. beavs go up the the beavs go up 14 to 0 at halftime and then they get a touchdown you know pretty early in the third quarter but then you know stanford gets a a score so it's 21 to 7 only a 14 point game and then it's a while before uh oregon state scores again and then in the fourth quarter they get another touchdown at 75 to to 7 stanford tax tax on garbage time you know touchdown but it's like the game's not out of reach until relatively late. Um, mm. you, you know, like, you know, and honestly, look, if Oregon, if Oregon had not played Stanford to begin the year and instead we're playing uh, Stanford, you know, here, here in week 11 and Oregon oh, finished yeah. this game, tw- you know, with a tw- only a 21 point lead over this depleted, horrible, you know, Stanford <laughs> team that's down to like their fourth string quarterback and, and, and doesn't have any wide receivers and so forth and so on. If Oregon only got a 21 point score, people would be burning down the rafters, right? Like, <laughs> why is Oregon only winning by this? Why was this still a competitive game in the third quarter? They'd be screaming and crying, um, you know, but because, you know, let's face it, the expectations that these teams are different. Yeah, that's true. Uh, then uh, Arizona State took on the Washington Huskies. <laughs> um, Huskies had a healthy 14 point advantage for a good chunk of this game. Um, it looked like they were really rallying, which made it so, so much sweeter when Arizona State steals it from them in the last minute. Wins this bad boy 35 to 30. Not only that, but they even like Washington gets another opportunity to maybe like, you know, go down and score. And Dylan Morris does not have it in him. I believe uh, Sam, I, I believe I saw some Sam Heward in this. Yep. Not much. I yeah, a couple think. of drives. Well, Apparently it was a planned rotation, um, but then they okay. immediately got away from the rotation because. Uh, look, I, we shouldn't dump on Sam Heward. He's, he's a kid. This is an awkward situation to be in. Um, you know, he, 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 it's entirely possible that that he comes out of this experience and he's stronger and is a good starting quarterback for them. But he is the, the you know when we have seen him play in 2021. I am not ready to hand him the Heisman. Yeah, yeah, no, I think he's bad. Um, well, who knows? He's, uh, you know, he's on a bad team. I mean, he hasn't thrown an interception <laughs> yet. The instant he throws an interception. Oregon Duck Twitter will go insane, right? Because <laughs> he was going to go back to throw the ball, you know, right? Like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, so that hasn't happened yet, but uh, yeah. Oh, man. Can you imagine if you were through pick six against the Ducks? <laughs> oh, my 
God, that'd be so funny. Uh, okay, so uh, thirty-five to thirty. It, it yeah, was. Kinda... I mean, what's hilarious is that these, you know, Arizona State is down, you know, <laughs> ten points, you know, in the fourth quarter, and then they right. just very patiently score three consecutive touchdowns mm-hmm. with like six minutes to play. Wow! You know, like wow. I mean, it was just like, I, I, you know, I'm not a huge believer in Herm Edwards. Like, I'm not a big, you know, really into like the conservative NFL, you know, or whatever is mystique is. It seems to change from week to week, you know, whatever people want to construct an identity around this guy. But like uh, that he was just calmly staring at Washington in their house and was like, no, we're going to score 21 points right now. Um, and did it like yeah i mean i i you know one of them's a pick six obviously but like they had already taken the lead at that point oh that's right um, the the pick six is what felt like it completely sealed it too and yeah because they're i, I mean it. well and you know washington would have to score quickly which like <laughs> it just felt yeah it damn washington's bad um and this was jimmy lake wasn't quite yet fired during this he was suspended but suspended. not fired wow yeah. um so bob gregory was coaching and hopefully you know when he wins the uh the head coaching vacancy you know i think he's got it yeah this no, is, uh, what what adverse circumstances in he, i really yeah. think he should win pac 12 coach of the year we should all vote for him Absolutely. and uh yeah i should you know they should lock that lock that dude down like he's going to be value like look at all these teams that are firing their coaches and coordinators he's going to be in exactly. high demand washington should lock down bob gregory right now if you don't want to see usc take bob gregory and just you know and just take the trojans to 10 national championships in a row you gotta lock mm-hmm. him down right now um so there you go and then uh after that ucla versus colorado God. looked like colorado had him in the first half <laughs> and then they yeah, didn't not gonna them. lie and i remember we were um i was i just listened to the last episode actually and we were even talking about like hitler day was like i can't believe this but uh ucla like you know they're like 17 point favorites vegas knows something apparently they knew something <laughs> oh yeah they completely knew something those those vegas bastards um yeah 44 to 20 the Bruins well, but it, win. It's Colorado's winning twenty to ten at halftime. Yeah, twenty uh, to ten. Yeah, yeah. And, and then UCLA goes on a thirty-four to zero run in the second half. Just Colorado. I mean, I, I, I don't, don't ask me why this happened because I, I wasn't watching the second half. But yeah, like, I, I Colorado I just decided it. not to score <laughs> points anymore. Wow. Like, it would be more reassuring if they were like you know, terrible at offense, but they at least can hang their hats on, hang their hat on their defense. But it's just like shit like this, Colorado, what are you doing? And like getting shut out by like Minnesota and just damn Colorado. Damn. I really wanted them to go to a bowl game. They had to win this one to really, you know, have a chance. Yeah, no, they're eliminated. They've got seven losses now. So done. So I wanted like nine Pac-12 you know, bowl games, but I mean, I'm looking at the second half drive chart and it's, you know, yeah. punt, no good missed field goal. Hey, at least they made some progress, a turnover on downs. Well, I like that you have some energy, a punt return touchdown, meaning, you know, they punted and then UCLA took it back. That's no good. Then they turned over on downs again and then they fumble it. Uh, and it, you know, some of this looks like 
sort of disaster striking. I don't know. I didn't watch it. It, uh, it does sound a little bit more like two of, you know, ev- eventually even a good defense is like, well, you got to just throw in the towel. Like your back gets broken eventually with that many terrible drives. So I, I don't even want to, I don't know. We got to get Jack Barsh to come and just, <laughs> yeah, we, we can kid. be his therapists. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Shout out to y'all. That's got to be tough. Then the Ducks won, and it was great, 38-24. to 24. Now, let's get into the, what we all really care about, which is how Aaron and I did in uh, this week. The pig. The pig. Did I do it? Did I do it? I thought I did. Can I do it? Can I do it? Here we go. All right. Can I do it? Can I do it? it? So we got the great pick'em challenge here with our mascot, this beautiful uh, duck warrior here, which people don't um, give us enough compliments on it. Social media. Drop a, yeah. At Quack 12 Podcast. Great. Doing a great job with the show. Also, we like your artwork. I would like that comment from some fan. Um, the great pick'em challenge. That is right. Even though Aaron, you know, we've been doing this for years, but he doesn't really pay attention to too much of what we're talking about, of the games we watch, of 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 any of this stuff. He's a true duck fan. Maybe I've been truest. zoned out for seventy five percent of this episode, man. Oh, we know. We can see you. <laughs> it's it's not subtle. Yeah, we can see you. We can see the whites of your eyes. Um. Yeah. But anyways, uh. That being said, he's still somehow much better at picking college football than I am. Because hmm. uh, what does that mean? I pay. I put so much effort into it. Oh my. I, uh, yeah, I picked right. Oregon State and you picked Stanford. That's <sighs> so hilarious. We both Utah, your favorite um, team, California. I picked USC. You picked that doesn't matter. I went with Stanford, not my favorite team. You went with them, Beavs. I went with ASU. You Washington. I UCLA. You Colorado. Then I chose Wazoo to beat the Ducks because I thought I could get an advantage there, at least make myself feel better. As y'all know, though, um, yeah, Adam didn't do so well. uh, Well, actually, I didn't do too bad. And Aaron did equally as bad, which overall is good for the Schroeder cause because that means I'm getting three points. Aaron's getting three points, which means, yes, the lead remains at five points aaron's got 45 i've got 40 which uh i don't know it's you know what, what the fuck's wrong with me to tell you i really what? think too that it's gonna it's about to really uh I'm, this week i feel really right oh is that so i do i i'm almost tempted to just pick every single one you do just uh i mean i know that doesn't help me but just just to, just to prove how wrong you are, drag us both. Sure, down. sure. But that's not what's going to happen, Aaron. We've got six games to pick. The whole Pac-12 wow. slate here. We're going to start on Friday at six p.m. Of course, on the Pac-12 Network, Arizona at Washington State. Who you got, my man? Obviously, Washington Wazoo. State. Immediately. Why is that? Anti-Arizona, Adam. Anti-Arizona, that's right. Um, it's the year of the... Damn, this is actually... You know, Arizona is a hard one to figure out because they sh- they're they trying despite their lack of goddamn near everything. Uh, Washington State, yeah, that was a tough loss. I still think they're... I don't know. I don't know what the hell I think. I, I know what I think. I-, I think I'm behind five points, so I'm going with Arizona. God damn it. Uh, Day, do I got a shot at winning this week? I mean, it's the Pac-12, so yes. Um, 
but you know, Wazoo's a better team than Arizona is. Wazoo's also got bowl eligibility on the line. Like they're very true. They're yeah. they're five and five right now, and they've got Washington in the in the Apple Cup for the last game. So like probably not a good idea to go into that five and six and need an Apple Cup win for the first time in like a decade, you know, to get to a bowl. So um yeah. I, I think they're probably, you know, gonna be pretty focused up for this game. That makes sense. And I mean, yeah, they got enough weapons and, and are enough of a team in every, uh, you know, like a part of the team. I don't know. I, I they're going to beat. The I Wildcats, mean, it's the Pac-12. But... It is entirely possible that yeah. Arizona wins this by 12 points. You know, like Arizona, Arizona almost beat Utah, like was competitive against Utah. So who knows? Arizona was competitive against the Ducks. Or, you know, Arizona has been competitive in almost every game that they play. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like even against you know, some uh, of them are teams that they shouldn't be competitive with. Yeah. Like Northern Arizona. But uh, yeah, they're... no, I mean, it's like they're. it's not like Arizona is a, a real easy out. It, Arizona is like is like here's a politics metaphor arizona sort of like the state of alabama like mm. alabama always votes red in presidential elections right like it's super consistent it's never going to vote blue in presidential elections. that doesn't mean that a hundred percent of the voters in the state of alabama are red voters right it's it's like you know 55 45 you know or 60 40 you know i forget exactly what the number is you know whatever it's like you know every time it's a contest against Arizona, it's just, they're going to lose that contest every time, but it's a contest. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Um, oh, it's it. all rigged. That's for next week's conspiracy corner. Um, no, I'm joking. Uh, Washington. Uh, so there you go. I'm going with Arizona. Hope they win. I've been rooting for Arizona. Like every goddamn week, your hatred of Arizona, the state of Arizona is turning me into an Arizona fan. I totally get the I hatred know. of Arizona for Arizona State because that program's for, like got some problems, man. Um, yeah. and is sort of like obnoxious uh, in in other ways. Um, yeah. I, uh, let's let's not get into those. But like you know, there there's a lot more to worry about in a good Arizona State team than a good Arizona team. Like Arizona, like man, I, I sort of I have to admire Jed Fish. Like those guys are you know yeah. have nothing to play for, and yet they play real hard every week. You know, mm-hmm. like they they play harder than a lot of other teams in the Pac-12 who have a lot more advantages than they do. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, then, speaking of having more advantages but playing weak-ass football, Washington, the Washington Huskies, are going to Boulder to take on Colorado. Uh, I mean, we're a duck podcast. We all know who we want to win. But who does Aaron think is going to win? Well, this one's interesting because I have a little insight on this, actually. <laughs> Which is that for multiple days this past week, mm-hmm. the University Bridge was stuck in the open position. Okay. This leads me to believe <laughs> that had some kind of psychological impact upon the team being able to move easily from wherever they live to the practice field, so on and so forth. Also, they're away. Colorado grows better, bud. <laughs> Going to Colorado. That's a tall claim. You think Colorado grows better, bud? Probably not. It's honestly all equivalent. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I think it is. I will tell you this. I like that Colorado has a higher selection of local brew beers and everything's not just an IPA. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. So For these reasons, I'm going with Colorado. Okay. Well, then that puts me in the terrible position of going with... Your Washington Huskies. Actually, this will be a this will be kind of an interesting game to see because it's just like 
who's more desperate, really? I guess Washington Washington can still make a bowl game, correct, with two wins, I think. Uh, I, think. I forget I where they're at. Yeah, me too. I'm glad that we're not petty enough where we don't even look it up. See, standings. Let's see. Yeah, they're four four and six. So, yeah. So they got, I mean, they're still, I mean, Colorado, I could see being just like, oh, fuck, this sucks. But Washington, they still can do it. Um, You think they got it in them? I mean, I don't think either of these teams got it in them, but one (laughs) team has to have it in them. Like someone has to win, so someone will win. By the law of averages, someone yeah. has to win. And and with Colorado's Jesus Christ, really thinking about this game, this whatever whoever wins, the score is going to be six to zero. Like it's going to be terrible. Uh, sure. They're just going to like shut shit down for both sides. Um, I don't know. I hope I. Either one, I, I I don't even know who would be favored in this one. Honestly, I mean Washington's favored. Oh, they, okay, I, I would not be surprised at all if Colorado just wins this straight up. Like, no, no. I, I mean, like I don't know. Colorado's looked pretty good in the last couple of weeks, and Washington looks look pretty bad in the last couple of weeks. Like. You know, now when I say bad, I mean bad for how Washington should be performing with their talent. And when I say good for Colorado, I mean better than how they, you know, I would expect them to be performing given how atrocious they were performing Mm. at the beginning of the year. You know, these are relative terms and you shouldn't, you know, fool yourself and think, you know, you know, a a good team performing under expectations means they're bad, you know, like, you know. Like you shouldn't make the lines cross just because that's, you know, the direction they're pointing. Anyway, the, uh, but if Colorado wins this game, you know, it's all my job be on the floor. (laughs) You can totally happen. And the problem is that both these teams are terrible at everything. Like they're, you know, if you pull up their advanced, you know, box score, it's just red across the board with the exception of Washington's pass defense, but it's not like Colorado wants to win the game by throwing the ball a million times. And Oh no, now they can't, you know, like, you know, Washington versus Washington state in the apple cup next week. That's now that's a game where I can definitely, see Washington having a big edge because the only way that Wazoo ever gets anywhere is throwing uh-huh. the ball and Washington probably going to shut that down. Um, you know, but like this game, not nah, like, have you watched Jarek Broussard? Like that dude's the defending yeah. Pac-12 player of the year for a reason, you know, like entirely possible the Colorado just runs all over him. I'm going to say if Neuer were still on that team, they'd be undefeated. Okay. Uh, UCLA at USC 1 p.m. on Fox. USC coming off basically a bye week. Uh, UCLA, I don't know. There's they beat Colorado. Chip Kelly ain't fired. Okay, going with. I feel like I've stuck with them all year. Feel like I've been too mean to Chip Kelly all year. So I have to go with USC because I don't want to counteract myself by saying I think Chip Kelly will win this game. You're doubling down yet again. I'm feeling good with that then because I could see UCLA winning. I mean. I could see them losing, but you USC has looked pretty pretty damn hapless on offense. They they But I think they're it. gonna do it this time. I think UCLA is gonna win. I mean, it would be hilarious. It would be absolutely hilarious <laughs> yeah. if USC this will who's be... just looked terrible all year just decides <laughs> to smash UCLA. This will be, be the classic underdog story win it at the end. Yeah, USC's big underdogs mm-hmm. with a field goal mm. to be up by one, and that's it's, how they win. That game would suck. That game's gonna suck. The game uh, UCLA will be at UC. There six you go. To five somehow. <laughs> I'm feeling good actually. I think you're giving me 
I mean, you gave me Washington, UCLA. I you that Colorado's going to win. If Arizona gets the upset, I'm going three and zero. Start off. No, uh, USC is going to win. Colorado's going to win. These are obvious things. California at Stanford. See, this battle of the tough. brains. Battle. Battle for the axe. Am I right? Is that what it's called? Yes, that's right. Well, it's called the big game, but the trophy. Oh yeah, Stanford axe. Big game. Uh, the big game. Big game. California at Stanford, 4 p.m. Pac-12 Network. Bunch of nerds are going to be looking at each other dead in the eye yeah. uh, with an axe in between them. Just so ready to take that and, and return Gosh. it home or whatever. I do love that tradition. I don't want to shit on too much. Uh, who are you going Cal's with? Cal's going to win. Cal. Yep. Aaron, I think your mad genius has finally worn off because... <laughs> Pal ain't winning. Am well, I thinking bad? Am Stanford I sucks. I'm going with the universe right now. I'm sorry. I'm flying in the universe, and we're going with it. Cal is coming off. Two weeks ago, they were down 25 and lost to Arizona, a team that hadn't beaten a team oh, in right. a couple of years. Then they miss their whole week after that. So I guess you could say they got to buy. I think those two weeks has just fucked with them too much. And that even somehow Stanford can pull this off. Even Stanford. No, I think them. that's exactly why they're going to win. They're going to be so well pumped up. I don't think they're well, maybe, but I mean, I think you got a point that there could be like, you know, some energy that's been building up like, you know, like like Garbers is, has outspoken, frustrated that he hasn't been able to play these games. He could just be like, I'm ready to Let go, me, especially a rivalry. Yeah. Yeah. Let me put it to you like this. Okay. The gold in them bears will <laughs> blind Stanford. Well, um, uh. <laughs> He here. Uh, I don't know. I'm not gonna. I was gonna try to do a and card. In true Berkeley oh. fashion, <laughs> let the sun shine. <laughs> wow. Okay. I think On the this, gold. this podcast blind Stanford. is, is off the rails. Um. I. Uh, I get, yeah, Stanford, sure. Hithaday, if you had to bet money on this, who are you betting? No, oh, Cal, obviously. Are you kidding? Really? I don't know. There's a lot. It's it's tough. It's it's only because it's Stanford. My jaw dropped. I mean, have you watched Stanford play the last couple of weeks? Like, yeah, and I've been burned over and over by being. I mean, the only okay, reason that Cal, bad, but they're not that. The bad. only reason that Cal doesn't win this game is because they are not back to having all of their yeah. personnel available. Um. You know, but if, you know, so, you know, don't hold mm -hmm. this against me if it turns out like Chase Garbers and half the team is still out. Uh, but assuming that they are back to their mm -hmm. normal, you know, strength and Stanford is at the strength that they have played after the last couple of weeks, which let's be fair to Stanford. They're down a lot of important personnel. I'm just, mm -hmm. you know, trying to, you know, let, let's 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 be fair to the predictors and and, and give them a, you know an adequate crack at it saying what the roster is going to be uh you know cal's roster if it's what we expect it to be and stanford's roster if it, it's what we expect it to be uh you know cal should win this in a walk like it shouldn't even be close damn shouldn't he be. just schooled you adam but stanford gonna win Stanford's gonna win. Uh, I mean, you had me convinced that Stanford was the better team, but now I'm like, they're gonna win. Okay, with my decision, they're gonna fucking win. That's why. Okay. Um. Now on the uh, I guess on Ooh. the counter on zero. Let's let's all say our choice for this next one because we got number three Oregon versus I think Utah. Actually, since I wrote this, I think they went up in the college football playoff poll. I think they're like 23 or 22. I don't really know. Don't really care, but hey, it's a ranked opponent 
who which it's been a while since we've had one of those it's literally been like who was the last ranked team was it goddamn ohio state there must have been someone i can't even remember it's been a while um number three oregon at well a top 25 utah that's in salt lake city let's all on zero say who we're voting for here three two one Oregon, oregon utah no you being real right now aaron i think so you go. Are you being real right now? Yeah, something makes me feel like we're gonna blow this. Um, and also, it's on ABC. Mm-hmm. We ABC. I've said it once. I've said it before. ABC does not like us. Yeah, that is I for mean, sure. Wow. I Aaron. honestly think Utah's gonna win this, and I hate saying it. Wow, uh, Aaron. That that scares me a bit, honestly. That I'm just writing the universe. That's all I know, man. Only a handful of times have you ever gone against the Ducks in your picks. Look, the only way this game... I mean, we're going to show up in Utah and there's going to be three inches of snow on the ground and we're <laughs> going to be screwed. Well, I mean, we're running the ball. That's all I got to know. Uh, oh, that's a great point, actually. Well, I, we're going to have an interview, everybody, coming up here with the, with a Utah expert. We're very excited to talk about. Keep an eye on our feed. We'll get into that game more. But uh, your boy, yeah, that's right. I'm going with Oregon because I'm a true Duck fan. Uh, then we got this Judas over here going with Utah. And then the final game, Arizona State at Oregon State. This is some this is some up and down seasons for both of these guys. Uh, uh, we know who you're going with, yes, because of your anti Arizona stance. I think we can all assume I'll be going with Oregon State, and we'd be Oregon assuming State. correctly, which has me going with Arizona State. And I gotta say, um, even though you really forced my hand on all these picks, I'm feeling pretty good. I, I think I'm gonna at least win this week. I'm gonna get more correct picks than you. Really? I think I'm good. Absolutely. You gave I just me, went six for six. You gave me Arizona State. You gave me Oregon. You gave me, uh, I think Stanford's going to do it because they're my favorite. T- uh, uh, um, then uh, UCLA. I forget who you gave me. Yeah, you said, man, I'm going to win this shit. You yeah, I, you know, I do feel bad about going against Oregon, and I w- I'm going to edit out the part where I say that. No, you aren't. No, you but, aren't. Uh, no, you aren't. It's just the way it crumbles for us, I think. I'll, I'll tweet it right now just to make sure there's a paper trail. You know, I've never gone against him in the past. This is my first time, and it hurts real bad. Mm. So, uh, Hith, I'm sure you got Utah on your head, uh, obviously, because you're doing all the film review for our next opponent. But you're about to get a huge crash course in, in uh, Oregon State, too, I imagine. Yeah, uh, you know, I've watched him a couple of times uh, this year. But, yes, that's, you know, next week's project. Um I don't know. This game's really close. Like I, yeah. You know, I, if you pull up, if you pull up the advanced, you know, advanced stats on it, it's like it's right down the middle. Like no one knows how this game could go. Um, you know, I, I feel like Arizona State's probably a more talented team. I feel like uh, Oregon State's a better coach team. Um, I don't know what to think about Oregon State without the defensive coordinator. I, you know, like, yeah. I mean, it, it, Arizona State feasts on explosive plays. Mm-hmm. Oregon State wants to play methodically, and you know, the, so I don't know. I the, those games are always sort of difficult to 
predict because like on the one hand, the methodical team could definitely just take all the oxygen out of the room and just, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, and just sit on them. Uh, On the other hand, you know, the explosive team only needs a couple of plays, you know, like, I don't know. This feels like a game where it's like somebody's going to fumble the ball three times, you know, that's going to be, you know, what determines it. And like the, 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 the stuff that, you, you know, it's the, the, the unpredictable factors will determine the outcome of the game and, and the, the stuff that you can predict is just going to all be a wash uh, is sort of how I view it. And, you know, stay, hey. stay the hell away from this game. Yeah. Here's the thing. We all know I'm a master of the unpredictable, which means it's a lock. Man, I'm going to be so pissed if Utah wins. Just so you, I'm going to be pissed at you. Aaron, I, I'm the actually youth. you're gonna be I'm pretty youths is I think what you meant to say. I'm pretty damn confident that the Ducks are gonna win this Saturday. Like I'm not even I'm not even knocking on this wood right next to me because I'm so damn confident the Ducks are gonna win. Yeah, no, I think natural causes, uh, ego, things will be in the way this time. Mm. I don't like when you start speaking all. But I will say like this: crystal ball from things I've read when traveling does a really good job of keeping their sleep schedules and all of these things moving in a clean and orderly fashion so that they don't get too messed up from time changes or whatever and mm-hmm. i guess it's only mountain it's only mountain time, time my man yeah but still i guess and it's well, hours on the road yeah well flying. yeah i mean if you gotta go with psychological factors in a game like it's Mario Cristobal in a big game, and it's Utah in November. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Uh, I'm like, e- either way, Duck fans, we're glad that you joined us here. Um, we're also glad that our our Resident Evil film reviewer, uh, Hithloday, joined us from Addicted to Quack. That is at Hithloday, the number one, H-Y-T-H-L-O-D-A-Y, the number one on Twitter. Please give him a follow so you can read duct tape on addicted to quack and hey while you're on the uh, internet's machine go to quack 12 podcast either our website you can go to our youtube channel or you can follow us on twitter at quack 12 podcast um i love you aaron it was fun hanging out watching some games hithliday thanks for joining us uh go ducks everybody quack quack